Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, this is Stuart Roberts, founder of Haircuts for Homeless, and welcome to the Hear Me, See Me podcast. I'm going to be talking to people who are truly inspirational to me, some you may have heard of, and some you haven't, but you really need to hear their story. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast, and today I'm really excited because I've got a lovely young lady I've recently met, but I've, I know of her work previously to that. Today I'm talking to Josie Norton, CEO and founder of Choose Love. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hi, Stuart. Lovely to be on. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So recently I saw you dancing across a room. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, that girl's enjoying herself. She really is. And it was both our our friends, Lena Heady's wedding, wasn't it? It was. um, You know, and then we were chatting away and I I think I I come up and spoke to you at some point and then you said, uh, oh, I'm, I'm the founder of Choose Love. And I thought, I thought it'd be some old bloke who's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this, this sort of board of directors and it's not some other young lady like you. Um, <laughs> tell me about, like, you know, I, I know you didn't start with this. You was in the music, music industry. So tell me about sort of where you were and how you came to be to doing this. Of course. Um, well, I am a very unlikely um, co-founder and CEO. and. Um, I have to say it was as much a surprise to me as it is for a lot of other people that um, I've ended up doing this and that the organisation finds itself in the position that it's in. But I I studied anthropology at university, um, but I dropped out. Um, I like I struggled with various different things and I ended up working in like bars in Camden and in music and I had previously, like as a teenager, thought I might end up working for the UN, but life had other plans. And then I ended up working in music licensing um, at a TV production company called Endemol. And I had loads of jobs. I was a nanny. I was a waitress. I used to work at events. I did the door at nights. I did a bit of DJing. I did a bit of everything. And um, and so then I, then I got opportunity of a lifetime and I got um, offered a job to work as a PA to the creative director and manager at Coldplay, um, the band who some people listening might have heard of. Yes. Um, and um, and that was just amazing. And it was a dream come true. And I learned so, so, so much about how to run um, something that works at a global scale with a small team of really dedicated people. They do so much charity work. So I learned a lot. Um for, about the charity sector there um and I was really lucky I'd lived lived in LA um and was about to go on world tour and in 2015 um that is when the refugee crisis happened and yeah. so for anyone that doesn't know a million people arrived in Europe um that year over a million seeking sanctuary so it was primarily people from Syria but also from Afghanistan Iraq Iran Eritrea Sudan that can be kind of up to 25 or even more nationalities in some of the camps that we work in in Europe. Um, And I just felt heartbroken to see what was happening on the news and all of these really sad images of 
families crammed into dinghies, of people crossing borders. There was a very famous image of a little boy, Island Kurdi, who washed up um, on the shore of Turkey that was just so heartbreaking and wanted to do something. I said to some friends at lunch, I think we should try and raise a thousand pounds and gather one van load of tents and sleeping bags and take them to Calais. And um, the links that we set up went viral. And then to cut a very long story short, um, here we are seven years later and we're an organisation that supports refugees and displaced people around the world. We're working in 26 countries. We fund 200 different partner organisations and the organisation has helped four million, over 4 million people. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's wow. uh, it, it's been a lot of... Um, just constantly seeing more and more need and Mm. feeling that we're able to do something about that. And so there's never been the intent, there was never an intention to become a big global organization. It just, it just happened. And I sometimes think that's the best way for things to happen. Of course. I mean, I often get the same thing and people say, why did you do it? And I started off and it was just me cutting some homeless people's hair in Rump where I live, but I never wanted it. I never thought wanted it to be a thing, you know, as you, you just want to yeah. do that one thing and then yeah. it throws it at you. And, you know, we've not gone global, but we've, we've pretty much covered the UK now. You're just um, amazing. I have to say, like, your what you do makes me cry. I, like, I I just think it's so amazing and it's, like, it's humanity at its absolute best. And yeah. I think it's wonderful. Uh, it, 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 well, I love it. I love doing it, as you love doing it. And um, I think, because our friend Lena, when she came, she was blown away because she. She knew what we did and she agreed to be our ambassador. And she's a real, but you know what she's like. She don't just want to be on paper. Yeah. She wanted to come and cut hair. And she she's a closet hairdresser. So she wanted to get stuck in. So she came to Whitechapel Mission and she's on the Clippers and she's, you know. Oh my gosh, I actually didn't know that. You didn't know that. No. Uh, yeah, I'll send you some pictures. Oh um, my god, that's amazing. Yeah, it's in the pandemic, so we're all masked up and everything. But and I had to hold her back because she was everyone was just getting it, you know. <laughs> and she <laughs> I always say this, she gave my comb away. And I, I <laughs> but as hairdressers are fussy with her stuff, and I bought this comb, it's like 17 quid or something. And she yeah. Yeah, I'll just give your comb to someone. Is that all right? I went, yeah, sure, it's fine. Yeah. Like, Damn. <laughs> About 100 cheap combs, and you have to give it my like special comb, but no, she was okay. she was blown away by it because until you're in it, you don't see you you won't understand. No one will understand the significance of what we do. Um, and I suppose, like yourself, when you people see it on the news, and until you went and, and and saw the realities of these things, it, it, people won't really understand. Right? What was your first like, What was your first feelings when you when you went out there? Um. You know, it sounds really silly, but I think you when you see things on the news, you're a bit distanced and you kind of don't, it doesn't feel like it's part of your reality and it definitely doesn't feel like it could have happened to you. And so I, when I first went um, and saw for myself what was happening, the thing that struck me most was, God, this is just human beings exactly like me or exactly like my mom or my family or my friends and that it's it's literally just down to luck that 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 this isn't my situation and I think that like that that connection and that just really feeling like 
this is this is just we're we're all one this is all humans and therefore I have a responsibility to do to try and do my best to do something about it whatever that might be um that that is really what what struck me and what I mean I my life was never the same again yeah I get that I get that because you can't stay the same can you if you go and witness something like you have to be a bit a bit strange not for it to change and and every volunteer that comes for their first session you know we check in you know soon after and they've said I've not been asked to stop thinking about it you know uh, yeah I mean Maxine who Maxine who runs Beauty Papers magazine done this beautiful film with us and she came along and she's in the high end of fashion world as you was in your when you were at that yeah it was with Coldplay and all these things and uh she 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 came with us to the White Chapel mission and she just like said I've had a job getting back to work because yeah. I've gone back to work the next day and it's like well what's the point of all this but yeah. obviously you can't because the world needs all of these things. But yeah, you know, like what what does this matter? What what does beauty matter? What does fashion matter? Is it you know? Totally. And and I from looking at all the the like photographs and comms of the people that that you work with, everyone just looks like the most amazing people. And that, I I bet that you feel I feel like it's a privilege to get to do this. And the people yeah. that we work with and the communities that get supported by the partners that we work with, you know, they're they're the most incredible people ever. And what a privilege and joy it is to get yeah. to get to do this. Yeah. I mean the you you come you, you understand that I mean with the refugee situation and, and we we've ended up doing lots of refugees in our centers and stuff. Yeah. And they and they say to you like, yeah, I I'm I'm a doctor. I'm, yeah. I'm a surgeon, I, you know, I run a run a, a, a big business and you know, and now I'm 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 a painter. <laughs> or a, yeah. I'm not just painting walls or I'm, you know, and because having the qualifications don't transfer to ours and yeah. You just think I, I never forget I was I was I was in one years ago when I first I started 2014. And it was a lot, it was quite near the beginning, and I was at this place and there was a guy. And there was a just a guitar in the corner, and someone picked it up and was just trying to play it. And he's come over. He couldn't speak the same language, and he's sort of saying he was gesturing, like, "Do you want me to show you?" Yeah. He picked it up, and this guy, he played the most stunning, every type of music you can play on this guitar. Oh. He couldn't chat, but he was playing classical. You know that lovely Spanish, like really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like everything, every type of thing, and we was all everyone was just stopped. Time wow. stood still. We was all watching this, but this talented man was in a homeless shelter with no food, no clothes. You know, like no new. You know, and you think how he should be on? He should be like doing tours. Yeah. Be, you know, uh, that was in Slough. Yeah, I remember it was in Slough, and it was like you thought, wow. You know, and you must you must see thousands of these evidence of this. You know, like. absolutely, absolutely. The, the you know the yeah the 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 richness and the culture of all the different people that we've that I've got to meet over the years. And you you meet. I was speaking to someone yesterday who works in a camp in Greece, and they were saying that there's this a young a young guy who's like 18, and he's just been accepted to he's like a genius and he's just been accepted to all the big colleges in the U S in terms of like his performance and entrance, but he can't leave the camp. So he can't go, he can't take up these offers because 
he's a refugee without status and he he he's not allowed to travel travel and that's just so it's so it's so heartbreaking it's so incredible it's so incredible to hear about his gifts and and that just drives me to be like we can't live in a world where that person isn't able to reach their potential and unlock all of these Ah. opportunities. We have to live in a world where it's, where, where everyone has the same opportunities. Yeah. I got, I've done one a couple of weeks ago and that was in East London and they'd set up a day with all sorts of services. And we was in the corner cutting hair and a guy come along and he, he was, uh, I forget which country he was from. But he was saying to me, like, I want to, I want to be a barber. I want to, like, you know, me and my well, doesn't have a barber with me, and we oh. were sort of doing it. And I said, look, if you, if you can find a way to get onto a course, I'll really help you. So yeah. I'll really make sure he was not, because I get a lot of, you know, not really committed. They like the idea of things, but he was, it's just something about him, you know. And he, he, he said, no, I want to be a barber. And I said, well, you start, and I'll help yeah. you away, you know. Uh, but then I got an email, funny enough, I've answered it today from a, a housing, uh, for a, a work support people that were there. And they're saying, oh, yeah. Lucian wants, wants, so he's been badgering them and he wants to do it. So I think I've got him a college place. <gasps> really? Oh my yeah, gosh, that's yeah. so lovely. What's great is I, I tried it once before and it, it, that was just before the pandemic. So it all sort of fizzled. But I, I, I know people at a great college in Essex. So I think if they can fund his travel and he's willing to travel, but then I get lots of gear given to me so we can we can kit him out. I get the top of the industry and these uh, hairdressers are lovely, right? You know, apart from me, but they're they're all lovely. And, <laughs> and you know, I know some top industry people will give me wow. a they'll come and give a day with him and he'll get he'll get like one-on-one training by these people. So That's you know amazing. you're amazing, Stuart. Oh shucks! No, no, it's not for that. It, no, it's it. It's just seeing it, even because you think, oh, well, if I can't do it for a thousand people, does it matter? No, it, just it, every it every one person. Yeah, it, it that's I I I everything is like small is small steps and 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 actually there's no such word as small because one one human's life is yeah. everything. Yeah, and that's the thing you you judge is should, should, is all this worth it for this one person, but. Yeah, because it'll ripple out. Because then, you know, if we, we make a success of it, you know, other people because they like people like success. It's attractive, you know. And once you show it success, there, there'll be another college. I mean, these ones are great. I, I, I haven't even asked you yet, but I know they will. <laughs> but <laughs> but there'll be another one. Go look. Oh, they've done that. There, we want to do that. You know, and 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 that's how this good stuff spreads out. Yeah, you know, that's to begin with a little a little acorn, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, let me play a little bit of devil's advocate because. It's a real funny subject. I get it a lot, and you yeah. get it an awful lot. I get, how do you know the Ramblers? Are oh, they really, you know, I don't know. Right, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw them at, a few at you. They're obviously not coming to me. I'm just, but I want to throw a few at you because you, you can help to clear up people's minds about it. Cool. So the first one that I hear a lot is the people coming over. Mm-hmm. Why do they come for all these, I was just doing an accent. Why do these people come? I'm like Michael Caine. Why do these people come through all these countries just to get to us? Why don't they stay in these other countries? Over to you. Very good question. Thank you, Michael Caine. Um, <laughs> so uh, the thing is, is that in terms of the percentage of people, if we're talking about the UK, who are who are coming to the UK, 
it is such a tiny number. There are 100 million displaced people in the world right now. And we're talking about numbers in the in the thousands. So it's, it's, it's not very many. Yeah. Um, and those that are coming, more often than not, they have family who are already in the in the UK. And so as an example, let's say you are a teenager and both of your parents have been killed in a war and you have an uncle who lives in the UK. Yeah. You are going to that that's where you're going to go and if there is no legal way for you to access which there should be a, a way to apply and say hi my uncle lives here I'd like to be reunited with them which should exist then you have no choice but to make your own but to make your own way there yeah so it's usually to do that there's family here that there's network um people who speak english um and let's remember that claiming asylum is a is a human right it's not a it's not a kindness and it's 76% of people who are arriving spontaneously that's what it's called into the uk on their first application get approved with refugee status and then furthermore um when they appeal so it it's actually a very small percentage of people who don't qualify as it were for the for the refugee status and then even in that case i would say you know no no one makes these journeys unless they absolutely ha- have to and they they for whatever reason be that persecution be that that they can't there's no jobs be that that there's no food that there's no access to safe water uh, w- whatever that that it has to be a huge reason for people to risk their lives to leave their homes um and make these dangerous journeys there's, there's a a quote you know no no parent puts their child in the water unless it's safer than the land and and I really do think that that's that's true. Well, that that leads me on to the next one. Back to Michael Caine. Uh, <laughs> they say they're all families coming over, but when you see the pictures, they seem to be a load of young men, young fit men of a certain age. Very good question again, Michael. Um, so I would come back to that in two, in two different ways. First of all, I would say young men still absolutely deserve to live and to be safe and deserve our support. Um, but I would also say that we live in a me- in a world where the media is trying to vilify some of the very most vulnerable people in the world to kind of draw attention away from failings at government level. And so often what they do is they will take a photograph that shows young men um, and there will be families standing right next to them, and then that that those people won't be in the be in the photo. Right. Um, and there are also extra kind of safeguarding rules and things that people have about showing pictures of children, and which quite rightly. Um, yeah. But I, we're actually when talking about the first time that I ever, um, you know, went to the ground, as it were, myself. I went to Calais in northern France. We'd literally been seeing all these images on the news of a camp. It looked like it was just all young men that's what I saw in the news that's what I saw in the newspapers and I got there and I was so surprised there were so many families there were kids running around there were people with disabilities they're elderly and that the media had just chosen not not to show that right yeah and I get that I I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the BBC personally no and I'm not important so I can say what I fucking want and uh <laughs> 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 I can assume we ain't got nothing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but my experiences with them, you know, like even even to like when we was doing this thing for the BBC and uh, they wanted to film us and all this stuff. Yeah. And that, they sort of like, I remember I cut this guy's hair and they wanted to film him going off to the job centre. They wanted yeah. a happy ending. And yeah. that day, there weren't no happy endings. In fact, it bought, the big fight broke out. So it wasn't going to be a happy, jolly one that they wanted on there. And it was only for like, you know, news at six or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, they come along and they've done this. And this guy, I've had other people work with the media and they've been really sympathetic and empathetic and I really enjoyed working with them. But this guy was a real cheesy fella, you know, and it was like the questions he was saying, you know, like what sort of haircuts this? And it was all really, really mm. rubbishy stuff he said. And then he actually might recognise this. So if he does. Uh, <laughs> um, and he, and, uh, and then they, but they, they gave this kid some change. Yeah. And then he, so he could get some change out of his pocket and then filmed him walking up the road to go to the job centre, which you may say is not important. But to me, I thought, well, if they can fake or, you know, create yeah. in, in a really small story like ours. Yeah. Where's the, I did it, I thought, this is the BBC. How can they be doing that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I thought, like, totally. so what are they doing with the big stuff? Yeah, it's true. It's it's so true. I have to say, I, I I really agree with you and and you don't get yourself in trouble because no (laughs) but I mean I'm I'm talking about like systemically um but in in general as you start to like look behind the curtain as it were and and see how how the world works you start to see gosh all of all of these things that you just kind of grow up blindly trusting all isn't actually always what it seems. No, no. And I think particularly in the last few years, we've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to, I don't know if you had the same ex- experience with the communities that you work with, but I at first was like, oh, oh, the pe- people must not know that these people are here, or that they need help. And, oh, we just have to go and, like, let the big charities know. We just have to let the politicians know, and then they'll do something to help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I have to say it was quite a big, um, I guess, unlearning for me to learn that, like, no, this is, um, there are people who could do something about this and they're choosing not to, and that is, yeah. that's quite a hard thing to get your head around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, there's another thing that I get thrown at me a lot, you know, is that the, you know, the fake homeless people, and, and the thing is they exist, you know, you don't, let's not be naive, it doesn't yeah. exist. Sometimes they're, there's homeless people who um, have got by for a certain time begging, um, yeah. but they've needed to. They've had nothing and they've needed to. But then they may get into, a, you know, they may get a place of their own, and they, but they don't really, it's hard for them to then adjust to not just Ooh. going and doing that. My, my, my counter argument all the time is I say, well, would you do it? Would you swap places? Yeah. And I love using that one with people just because I find people interested anyway. And I think, would you swap places? I wouldn't. No. Even if, even if they're earning more money than me that day, I still want to sit on a cold pavement. No. Uh, in the rain. Yeah. Even if they do get a couple of hundred quid or whatever. Literally. I, I, I so agree. Like, if that's, if, if, that's the, if that's what they feel that they've, is on offer to them, then, then again, I feel like society has has failed them. And I would also, 
whether it's with a homeless community or refugee community, it, and I, like I said before, I think ev- everyone that needs help is deserving of support. But if we're if we're going to end up supporting one person who perhaps d- doesn't completely qualify for whatever vulnerability line we say someone has to be on, and we we help that person, and it it means that we do reach the person who truly, 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 truly needs it. Yeah. Well, I'd much rather that than than we just don't help anyone. That that that's that's not who the world that I would want to be in no and I the one I found that's helped me the most was um very uh, if you want to go back very early on in in the podcast was brother Kevin um it was the sort of first or second episode uh, and he he's run he's run that place in Dublin like the Capuchin Centre they feed between six and eight hundred pound people pound people a day Wow, scale of it, and it's literally it blew me away. The first time I went, I thought Dublin's a big, wealthy city, you know, and everyone's having a party, and it's a fantastic place, you know. And I just walked down the street, and all of a sudden, it just uh, my vision. I've said many times, but my vision turned black and white, and I was catapulted back to the Victorian area, area because there was like rows of people just waiting for the place to open, and it was all ages. um, Yeah. Both sexes, all ages, uh, and it's just it's all hungry. Um, yeah. But he said to me, you know, because I, I posed the question to him. I said, like, you know, we get asked, you know, how do you know they're worthy or whatever? And he, he told me that one time he, he saw a woman park a car and come across and come in and get some food. And he felt obliged to stop her on the way out and said, look, can I just ask you, if you've got a car, why do you need to come in and get food? And she's really got, got upset. She, I'm so sorry, Brother Kevin. It's just the last time my husband beat me, he beat me so bad that I thought he was going to kill me. So the only thing I could do was get the kids, put them in the car and escape. So we are now living in our car. Yeah. Wow. He, he, you know, he admitted. He said he, he judged her. He, you know, he judged yeah. her. And he, and he said to get the kids, bring them in. And, you know, they fed them. They had new clothes and everything when they left. And he said, from that day, I've never questioned anyone. He said, if yeah. they're hungry, we will feed them. I, I totally agree. Anyone who's, who is in need yeah. should, should be helped. And we can't, who are we to judge? Yeah. Well. And I'm there's not. always a story that we don't know. Yeah. And I, 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 I do. I'm a human being. And I've, I've been brought up, in, you know, with all these same uh um, judgment, prejudgments that I've had over the years. I've been brought up in a certain area of a certain age, you know, yeah. and, and it's it's very difficult not to go back to type sometimes, but then mm-hmm. you pull yourself out of it, you know, and you know, my kids always tell me off because I'm not as PC as I should be. But I say to them, look, you've got to remember what I was brought up with. Yeah. I'm doing an amazing job of, of being a good person compared to what I should be. Yeah. You know, because of what I was brought up with, you know, that love thy neighbour and all these things that we used to watch as kids and Benny Hill and all the, you know, the sexism, the homophobia and the racism and all that. We was brought up on that stuff, you know. So for people of our generation to break out of it, we have to constantly do it. Yeah. And and, and sometimes I'm doing my work and there's someone I love. You know, and the next one, he winds me up. You know, yeah. I, want to, I want to knock him out. You know, yeah. I'm a human being. But of then, course. you know, like, you, 
but you can't help the ones you like only. No, absolutely. You're going to set off and help people. You've got to help every single one. Yeah. And you've got to accept, and you just put little boundaries in for there's only so far, and then sometimes you do have to go, like, that's enough, pal, you know, like, we're, we're working here, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot to unlearn and there's a lot to learn, and, um, but, yeah, I agree. We can't, you, you, you can't, you can't just be, I'm only going to yeah. help the, the, like people who believe this or people who think like this or yeah um yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 really important but I think you're doing the most amazing job Stuart Listen, we're not talking about me we're talking about you okay what about I mean come on didn't you I read on your thing when you like you spoke with Obama I I spoke on the same stage, not not at the same time, but yes, in 2017, I was very lucky to be selected as a it's called a goalkeeper, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, with uh, an organisation called Project Everyone, select young people who are um, yeah. trying to create and uphold the Sustainable Development Goals in the in the world, and I was very lucky to be one of those people, and I spoke at and an event and the poster had like my my face was next to Bill Gates face and Obama was a sort of poster. <laughs> quite weird that <laughs> framed in your bathroom uh do you know no I don't even know I think it's just online somewhere I'm not very good at keeping stuff I like all the different newspaper articles and stuff that have that have been about us and um yeah. I never keep anything but now I wish I had you should really I mean my mum passed away this year, and um, I'm so we, sorry. We, nah, it's all right. And we 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 went like actually I say we. My sister done most of it. When we went through the house, we found so much stuff oh. that, that she'd kept, and it it was like she had that my school reports. She had when I was four and I won a beauty contest. She, oh. <laughs> oh my god, girls. I love it. It was all girls, and she put me in. It was all girls and me, and I won. Are and you it, on? Yeah, little blondie. And that, that oh. you know, but she, all these stuff. And you think people don't keep stuff now, do they? Because everything's on their phone and that's I know physical stuff we don't keep. But it's something a shame about, you know, that we yeah, don't. So true. start keeping it. I will like start keeping this. it. Yeah, okay. Thank you. This will be the moment that um, <laughs> it changes. For later on, for your kids to come across. Yeah, like, true. And it, you, you, you know, they find out a bit about you, and then, you know, I don't want to get morbid, but yeah. <laughs> so, has the, I mean, you've raised was it eighty million or something you've raised for for charities? Yeah, it's it's, um, it's actually coming up to a hundred million. Is it really? Is it? it? Is. It's fantastic because that's hard to do at the moment. You know, people are people are. Um, it's hard to, to do because of the world. I, I don't know how it's going to slow down with you guys, but um, the people are, what do you call it, when they're, they're uh, charity-weary, you know? Like, it, yeah. You, I don't blame fatigued. them. Yeah, they're charity fatigue. And you, it's, it is a thing because even we've noticed with our volunteers, we've got our diehard volunteers who are thick and thin. They're always there. But ones that used to be, and not so often, and yeah. lots of interest, and then they don't actually come. And yeah, what I've figured it out is is that um, 
whereas everyone used to be able to give, and we only ask for half a day once a month because okay. we like to, we don't like to do too much. And that used to be a no-brainer for people. Yeah. But if you're really skint and you, you've had a tough couple of years, if you can if you can earn a few quid like that morning, it's hard, mm-hmm. harder to give it up. Yeah. You know, I do get that. Um, so it's amazing that there are charities that can raise. It's like, as well, I know that it filters down. You know, I know it filters down. And for small charities like us, that we do find it hard to keep their head above water. That help is incredibly important, you know, because it isn't coming from the government. No. I'll phone up my, my local MP and go, you know, give us a few quid. We're struggling now because it's don't happen, you know. And it, no. uh, so it gets fewer and fewer. I know I love put, I love putting things out to the universe because we've been trying to get a, a bid writer. Uh-huh. Because that's a different world. I'm not a bid writer. I've done it and I've achieved, I've managed to raise money in the past with it, but it's a tough thing because it's you have to have its own language, isn't it, bid writer? Yeah. And, you know, and uh, I was parked on the pavement at Portsmouth the other week and I was a bit like, I, I should naughty really, but I was I'm parked across. Oh, are you? Yeah, I was in, in Portsmouth, near the prison. I always hang around near prisons. And uh, we, I, I blocked the pavement, and this this old, older lady walked along, and mm. she, I thought she was going to tell me off. You know, I said, oh, look, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll only be a minute. I'm just unloading stuff, and I'm going to move the van. She oh. said, no, no, I was just looking at your sign. That's wonderful. Oh. She said, uh, how'd you get your money? And I went, well, we just, where we can. I said, there's not much about, but. Yeah. I'm a retired bid writer. Oh, no way. Oh, I love it. And then she's been, we found each other and, you know, we both said that if she'd have just walked around the van or if I hadn't stopped to apologise, we wouldn't have actually spoken. Oh, my gosh, that's so magic, serendipity. Yeah, it's the word she used. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's great, isn't it? I love it. I I really believe in that. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. It's it's a constant thing of sowing your bread on the water and just mm-hmm. seeing you know seeing what comes through. So yeah. tell me, the, what's the future now for Choose Love? Intergalactic domination. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's a funny thing because I think when I was saying earlier that we never intended to be an organisation, and for a long time it felt wrong to to have a strategy to be an organization and that we should be trying to put ourselves out of business and you never want to be part of that perpetuating the system and all of that stuff but reality is force displacement is increasing the needs around the world are increasing and so there there really is a need for what we do um and so I think the future over the next few years is us growing um growing as an organization raising more funds which means yeah. that we can support more organizations support yeah. the organizations that we support now better with more sustainable funding yeah. um, uh, and looking also at the kind of root causes of what of forced displacement and seeing what we can be doing about that we're a communications organization as well so really trying to change the narrative because as you know as you you were um talking through those questions there's a lot a lot of a lot of the kind of negative narrative around around refugees in the media and so we want we we see ourselves also as having a responsibility to amplify stories and and change what people see and 
just carrying on doing our best, really. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that, which is incredible. I mean, that thing, going back to the narrative of people, uh, Lena's film of the refugee. Yeah. And if I was professional, I'd have it remembered in years, but I'm a poor old pensioner nearly. <laughs> I That blew me away, that 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 film. Yeah. And I, I'll put a link to the film. on. Oh, the, yeah, great on idea. Box. And if people just need to be... um, When people see other people's stories that is that human connection again I I think that storytelling is one of the most important things in in changing the world that we that we want to see exactly yeah they're all parables aren't they they're 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 way from years and years and centuries of old that the way transmit a message is for a story yeah totally take it on board um and I think that's where we're quite successful sometimes because it's our little Time has got a beginning, a middle, and an end. I yeah, I was going to say I think yeah. you, you do it so well. Yeah, it's just you know it it just does itself well, really. Yeah. You know? um, but uh, well, it's an absolute pleasure. Oh, <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. It's so been so nice. Tucker. You're definitely going to be not a one um, once time only guest on this. <gasps> You'll definitely be back next year. Oh, I hope so. Maybe this time of year, you know, we'll come back and hopefully we're both out of work. Yeah, I hope so. But it ain't going to happen. You know, know. what's coming now in the future, in the in 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 the uh, the future of the economy. Oh no! This is I hate to end on a low, but it's um, you know I I see terrible things in front of us. Um, More and more people are going to get made made homeless, or you know, families. Yeah. um, but so all we can do is just keep plugging along, and um, and as you 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 need to, you, as you say, you need to change people's minds. Um, we need to, we need to make people realise that they are out there, that they exist, and, yeah. and it's, it's an ever-growing problem. And you know, and that thing you said, it, there's no small action that no. is important. You know, lots of people doing a small thing makes a massive you know it really it really does we're you know we talked about that big that big number the the, the 100 million but half of that money has come from the public that is people donating five pounds ten pounds twenty pounds doing a bake sale cycling from one corner of the country to another buying a choose love t-shirt coming to the choose love shop and buying a hot meal for someone oh Stuart's modeling his thank you that made my whole day arriving on, on this and you were wearing that um and and so it, there really is no action too small. And it's when everyone makes those those actions together, it turns into one really big action. Yeah. And that really gives me hope. And what, and what you do and your team do gives me hope as well. Yeah, that's that's a happy ending. See, I wanted a little happy ending. <laughs> so um, great to catch up with you. Uh, great to catch up. See you soon when you're see back you in, in Blythe. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. You too, right back at you.